You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 85, with Michael Blake. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello and welcome to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. Today, we are so very blessed to be talking with a young and wise trailblazer, assemblyman, and DNC vice chair, Michael Blake. He is from the Bronx. He's the son of immigrants, always wanted to get into politics. He actually spent seven years serving on the Obama administration. And today, he's a rising star in the Democratic Party serving as the vice chair for the DNC. In today's conversation, Michael and I talked about what got him into politics, what's helped mold him into the man he is today. And we discussed his role, his present role in the DNC and his big objectives looking forward. If you've not yet done so previously, guys, I encourage you to help us as we look to expand the reach of the Trailblazers movement. You can do so by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast that will help us to get more reach within Apple Podcast search and how they actually rank us in their directory. So we greatly appreciate you leaving a review if you've not yet had a chance to do so. One last quick point. I probably missed connecting with Michael no less than five times. I really was working hard to get this interview for you guys and for the podcast. And when I did land him, he was awaiting a session to begin. So there will be a little bit of a background noise, as I know for sure he was out and open. And you can hear a little bit of background noise in a couple spots, but it was not much of an issue. And I did not want to deter from being able to publish this episode for that reason. So you'll still get all of the inspiration without any problem. So that said, let's get set to dive in and receive some mission fuel from today's featured trailblazer assemblyman and DNC vice chair, Michael Blake. Enjoy. Assemblyman Blake, welcome to the show and thank you for being our featured guest. Great to be with you, Stephen, and really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have. Listen, I'm so very impressed by, you know, all your accomplishments. I'm honored to have a brother like you on the show to talk with us for a few minutes. And I love to sometimes get things started off from a place of gratitude. I believe it's always a great source of focus and energy, and it just helps us to remove the negatives. So maybe if we could start things off and I'll have you tell us what you're most grateful for in your life right now. I would say I'm most grateful for and always most grateful for my family. My mother is a blessing to me by 40 years. She worked in manufacturing. She came from Jamaica, came from I'm from St. Anne's, and to always be a blessing. You know, she always taught me to, you know, to aspire for my dreams. Right. You know? And I'm always grateful for her, grateful for what she has done and continues to do in my life. My dad has always engaged my life. He passed away a few years ago. He cleaned hospital room floors for 28 years, 1199 SEIU in the Bronx. Wow. You know, he is from Papine, Jamaica. You know, just, again, you know, the, the presence of family. You know, my family's always been so supportive. My oldest brother's serving in the Army right now, and 
I'm just grateful for that. Grateful for the love. Right. You know, you, I tell people often, I'm still I'm just kissing Bronx. Right. You know, that's the way I think about things. And uh, I'm always grateful for what people have done and continue to do for me. As it should be. Family is everything, man. You know, so you talk about your Jamaican roots and, you know, funny enough, I heard you showing off your Spanish at the Baltimore DNC forum. But, you know, I was curious to know, how's your pato? What's going on, everyone? Michael Blake here from Michael, come from Michael Martin, Alexander Valtan, Baltimore. Welcome, everyone. Yes, I am. <laughs> love it. Love it. So, you know, a couple of years ago, our then president, Obama, visited Jamaica. And I'm curious to know if you had any involvement in that greeting to our island when, when you so eloquently oh, okay. said, Greetings, massive. Well, go on, Jamaica. Greetings, <laughs> you know, the woman who succeeded me in our role, directing African American Outreach, her name is Heather Foster. She. Uh-huh. Uh, like me, is a child of, of Jamaican descent, and she had the great honor of, of leading our team at the White House during that time. Nice. Uh, and so she uh, you know, I, I was able to watch in pride as we passed it from one child of Jamaican descent to another. You know, it goes without saying to have the honor to work for the first African-American president and have him go back to, to J.A. Yes. You know, when you, yeah, that's to your earlier question. You know, when you say Jamaica, you know, land we love, that's that's exactly the epitome of that you have that kind of moment happen there absolutely absolutely always a warm warm time warm moments in many memories of our former president on a more serious note you know i'd love you to maybe take us back for a quick minute i'm curious to know you know when did you first discover that politics was what you're meant to do with your life i'd say that i just always had a passion for it i always had an interest with it and around it whether it be being the president of my youth group at my church mm-hmm. for four straight years, whether it be senior class president at my high school, whether it be student government in college and, of course, university, I, I've always had a passion for it. I really do believe that there is no more comprehensive way to help people than through public service. Right. And I've always had that passion for and both sides of it, because there's a very big difference between a campaign versus governing. Yes. And... You know, why you can enjoy the aspects of winning. The real goal is how do you help somebody? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are you doing to go help someone? And mm-hmm. so, you know, that has been an appreciation. And there's a great appreciation and a joy around it. And, you know, I think when probably that first race, 13, you know, with it in church, where you step up to the mantle to help and lead and serve, you know, that's when you really have it crystallized that your decisions matter. Mm-hmm. The reality is, Everything that we do impacts someone's life, and that has sustained with me. And I'm always saying, you know, what are we doing to help someone today? You know, what are we doing to tactically and practically help someone today? And at the end of the day, that is why we're here, and that is why we do this work. Right. Love that. So, you know, you have a bio at your age that most people would envy, and I'm interested. I hear you mention the passion and at the core, making sure that you're helping people. But walk us through how how did you actually go from sculpting yourself, right? Go about sculpting yourself into the kind of person that stands out and gets the kind of positive attention. As I mentioned a moment ago, you know, you have the likes of Barack Obama who see what you're doing and are able to help mentor and mold the person that you've become today. You know, how are you able to step into the right places at the right time and take the right kinds? What were those right kinds of action that led you along this path? Well, you know, 
I think the best way to think about it is, you know, first it's, you know, grace, favor, and mercy. You know, there's many talented people, you know, this, that are always uh, ready and willing to serve, you know, and the reality is I was born in the Bronx, you know, but, you know, there are a lot of people who are unfortunately born into tougher situations. Yeah. And, you know, grace, favor, and mercy is the first step and realizing that you are probably not the smartest person in the crowd, right? right? And having that willingness and that selflessness and that humility to understand that. But then, you know, when you get into the spaces, you know, what do you do in those spaces? What will you do? You know, it's like a story I heard a few weeks ago about how there was a coach that was going to be meeting Kobe Bryant to help him prepare. And if I remember the story correctly, he was supposed to be arriving at 6 a.m. And when he arrived, he could see Kobe was ready in a full spec and Kobe had already been there for 20 wow. minutes. Wow. You know, it's when you listen to Urban Meyer, for example, who was a coach at Ohio State, yeah. who he said in an interview, you know, that he's obsessed with perfection, you know, that he always wants to get better and keep growing. I think the reality is the reason we've, a key reason we've been successful, you know, of course, because of God's grace is we put in the work. Yes. You know, we, we tell our team all the time, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yes. You know, and we have a pride in our preparation. We have a pride in the work that we do. And we take pride in being ready and in being engaged. And so... So even in a little, you were ready. You always remain prepared so that when yeah. bigger things came, you are you're ready to take the mantle. Always. You just have to be ready. You mm-hmm. always have to be thinking, what am I doing? You mm-hmm. know, how am I preparing? And recognizing that there's always more to be done and being disciplined to do the work. Right. Um, but, you know, look, it opened doors. And I wasn't afraid to try different things. You know, so when we had the chance to move forward and go to Northwestern and then from there, you know, be able to move forward and be engaged to apply for a job to work for the TV station at Comcast Sportsnet and then move forward and uh, apply for an internship with Jeff Schoenberg, a state center in Illinois, and do that while still working full time and balance that while then applying for and being accepted into a training program for Yes We Can with Barack Obama. You know, he was a U.S. Senator in 2006 to do those steps and to say, you know what, I'm going to run for office and I'm going to you know, believe that we can make this happen. I'm going to put in the work. You, know, you can't be afraid to realize and live out your dream. Yes. And you have to then be able to put in the work to realize it. You know, a dream will remain a dream unless you're willing to put in the work to make it real life. Mm-hmm. Would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self to change anything? Oh, there's always things you can change. You know, there's just more work to always be done, you know, probably continue to live life more, right? Mm-hmm. It's the understanding that you have to find more ways to be engaged, you know? The reality is that, the reality is that you have to say, you know, when you're young, there's more you can do, right? There's more you can do. There's more ways to grow. There's more ways to take steps to continue to be a blessing, right? You know, so young me, young me would say, you know, you work it hard, but enjoy it. <laughs> right. Yes. Very true. So you recently had a campaign run yourself for your VP seat in the DNC as the vice chair, you know, and as we maybe look over the past decade, right, we've witnessed now three election cycles that likely have changed the way that campaigning, right, will be done going forward. What are the biggest differences in political campaigns today from maybe when you started your career? Well, I think social media has been a dramatic change. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, the reality is that when you have news breaking on Twitter, when you have people assessing Instagram posts, when you have people that are 
finding clips of what you've done 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? I mean, it changes everything. Things just move tremendously faster. There's also a, there's a culture shift. I mean, look, you know, we are in the post era of the first black president ever. You know? So there are a lot of people that might not have been thinking about pursuing this life before, but they are now. Right. You know, and it's a dramatic shift. You know, you know in New York, we have a black speaker. First time we ever had a black speaker in our history. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those pieces have changed it. So when you have one presence of how social media and the speed of information flow at one aspect, to the other aspect of the differences in leadership, which, you know, look, I have respect for the office, I, but there's no question there's a dramatic difference in terms of the vision of President Trump from, from President Obama. But, you know, now you have people that are probably assessing, you know what, I can pursue it. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you go from the first black president to someone who never ran for office before. You are creating the space that anyone can realize the dream. Yes. Which, you know, is very different from where we were years ago. And that said, I mean, you're no, again, you're newly elected to the vice chair of the DNC. You're part of a team that's got this tough path ahead, helping to rebuild the future Democratic Party, right, for the next election season. First off, maybe given your resume and background, I'm sure there were a ton of options that you had to give thought to on where you kind of moved your puck next. Why were you inspired to serve within the DNC at this stage of your career? Well, the first thing is that you this only happened because we didn't win the White House, you know. So mm-hmm. when you don't have the White House, then there's the opportunity for leadership posts within the DNC. But then, you know, the real question is, well, why not? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I had served the country already. We working in the White House. We had been engaged that way. I wanted to find more ways to serve and to give back and to be engaged and find the ways to help and say, okay, for this four-year term, how can we help rebuild the country? Right. You know, how can we get more people involved? And this is, again, an indication of what happened when you are doing the work. You know, if, if we had people who had seen us do work for a decade. Right. You know, and the reality is that they believe. They believe in what we were able to do and could do. And, you know, we were very clear. We wanted to talk about how do we build the bench of getting more people involved in local office. Now, we wanted to be very clear of having a millennial voice at the table, specifically a millennial voice of color at the table. And I wanted to be clear that, you know, I, I saw and understood the responsibility in this environment as a child of immigrants. You know, that how do we help with training? We learn about the new leaders council. How, how do we engage as it relates to young leaders that we've been able to do and all the different work we've been able to do um, over the, the last decade or so? How do we take the experiences we had at the White House with the Intergovernmental Affairs Office? And engaging with county officials and legislators. You know, we talk about all the time when Chairman Perez, you know, what are we doing from the school board to the Senate and the city council to county officials to Congress and the state house to the White House? You know, we want to show people we're serious about this. And so, you know, to me, it was an opportunity to help serve the country again. And it's incredibly exciting. We've been to 16 states in the last three and a half months, you know, fulfilling the known stereotypes that exist about Caribbeans of having tree jobs, right? And we're going, <laughs> right. we're going and we're loving it. And this has the opportunity to be something special. And if there's anything else, if someone decides to run for office, that wasn't thinking about it before, or someone decides to join a campaign that hadn't thought about it before, or someone had thought about participating in a training or taking their skills and technology and law and finance and communication and applying it to public service. If, if it leads to someone who was previously sitting on the sidelines saying, I won't sit on the sidelines any longer getting involved, then it made all of this work. All right. What are you hearing from the Democratic community? Because I'm sure you're getting, you know, 
tons of requests and thoughts and the needs of the community as a whole has to be very challenging to put in place, right? And to actually see things, to move things forward, right? What are you hearing from them that that is most challenging to kind of put in place? I mean, people want a positive message. You know, we can't just say we're against the other guys. They want to know why we're for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they want to hear us convey that. And, and, you know, we want to convey the clear pillars uh, of our vision. You know, we're fighting for opportunity for all while they're fighting for opportunity for some. And so people want to hear that. They want to know that we're going to say we're the ones, we're the Democratic Party. We are the party that fights for better jobs and better public education in all aspects of education and better health care and affordable health care and retirement security and standing up for our veterans and standing up for the LGBTQ community and standing up for Muslims, standing up for Jewish community, standing up for that if you attack any of us, you attack all of us. People want to hear a very positive, clear message. And that's what we're hearing all over the place. And they want to know that we're going to engage on the ground and that they want to know that we're not going to be an entity that's just thinking about it every four years, but we're thinking about organizing all the time. And so we're excited. And this year, you know, you have gubernatorial races in New Jersey and Virginia, but you also have local races in Washington for their state Senate. You know, you have mayor's races in in Charlotte and in Birmingham, uh, places all across the country. You You know, we want people to understand that you have an ability to do something now. And that's what people are saying. They want to figure out, how do I turn this energy into something good now? How do I get involved now? What do I need to do now? And that's the thing uh, for me, so, you know, Michael, I'm, I'm like thinking through, you know, how we shift from this approval mindset to a results mindset, right? Like not just yeah. being, okay, you know, seeing all the right things, but actually seeing results, right? Well, no question, but it's also that recognition that, you know, people are getting involved. The fact that we were having conversations and the media was talking about Kansas special election and Montana special election and Georgia special election and South Carolina special election. When you asked me earlier about the differences 10 years ago, would, you know, would we as a country be talking about special elections in these congressional districts? Right. I mean, we, we weren't we like want, before. Right. You know, so it's, it's an indication that the participation is even exciting, right? right? People are just like, hey, I want to do something. I don't even know exactly what I want to do, but I want to do something. And so you know, yeah. our job now is to, to turn that energy into constant progression and to also educate people that sometimes you may That's not get across right point, but you can still learn, right? Yes. You can still be a part of this and you can't stop and you have to be a part of the change all the time. You know, you hit the nail on the head there a second ago, you know, coming from Jamaica. I moved here when I was 16, graduated high school and came here and jumped right into college, right? And, you know, sometimes I take ownership, right, in saying that I don't know as much as I should know about the political structure of the country. And I've been a citizen now for more than 15 years. But I feel like there's not enough done to educate the base of voters outside of this four-year cycle. Like, you know, what's being done? And there's so many immigrants like myself, right, who are now citizens of the country. And it's a positioning play when there's an election, you know, to say, hey, vote for this person in the main ticket. But you're even talking about all of these other, you know, local and special elections that we really need to be properly educated about. How is that happening? Right? Well, look, it's necessary. Yeah. Right? You think about here in New York, you know, the city council is engaged in a lot of work that they do on the ground. But as a state legislator, you know, we have a $150 billion budget we vote on every single year. Mm. You know, that's funding for your schools. You know, that's infrastructure. We change the law now so that 16 and 17 year olds are not tried as adults. It relates to criminal responsibility. We, we were able to become the first day in the country last year for the My Brother's Keeper program. 
twenty million dollars to help focus on changing the narrative for black and brown boys across yes. our state. Yes. You know, the, the reality is like that's how you have change. Change happens on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the recognition is, and when people are saying, you know what. So I want my pothole fixed. Well, call your city council member and be engaged in that way. You know, I want to, the change that happened in the community by having a street naming and the name of Khalif Browder, who was the young man, which was the impetus and the name around the Raise the Age campaign. You know, that matters to someone what they saw in the crowd. It matters when they understand. But what we have to do is communicate to people what we do. Mm-hmm. And people too often have no clear understanding what we're doing. Right. And so you have to have a continual campaign. You know, I tell people, you got to think about this as if someone was going to the party, right? If there's that, that hot party that's coming up in a few weeks, you're going to hear promotion on the radio. You're going to have flyers yeah, going around. Right. You're going to have people telling you why I got to get to my spot, why you have to be here. Let me tell you why this is going to be different from everyone else. People have to be excited about it, you know? They sure. have to be motivated by it, but then we have to be engaged. And then we have to be clear. And at the end of the day, then you have to convey it as a choice. There's a clear choice in the contract of what happens with these choices. And you know, my job and our job has to be one of, if you want to see change, let me show you change. Right. You know, but we have to live out the words that Jim Wallace said. You know, the ones we've been waiting for. So when we talk about you know, social media, and I tell people, you know, look, follow us on Instagram, Mike Blake 1922. Follow us on Twitter, MR Mike Blake. Go to us on our Facebook page and find us on Michael Blake or Michael Blake. Find us on LinkedIn. And what you do then, you'll see what we're doing here. Let's show you what's going on at the state capitol. Let me show you what we're doing at our local media event. Let me show you what's going on when we're traveling across the country. Let me talk to you and have you meet with this local elected official. Let me do all these different steps so we can do something together. Right, right. And if we do those things, then people will be invested. And then they'll say, okay, now I understand why I have to be involved. Now I understand why I have to go do more. Now I understand why they're doing all these different things. Now I understand when I talk about the budget process. You know, for example, you know, when people, I don't think, I don't think many people were ever thinking truly and understanding the federal budget process. But when people now start talking about how Trump and Pence and the team wanted to cut meals on wheels, now they're mm-hmm. paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right, they're paying attention when you're saying that 23 million people will lose their yeah, health care. What does that mean on the ground? That means states that have to make decisions on the ground to address that matter. So we have a responsibility mm-hmm. for that education process and to demonstrate that we have to be a part of the change all the time. We cannot be part-time temporary change makers. We have to be fully committed to creating change all the time. You know, I look at, and I hate to time episodes, but my heart is still heavy looking at, you know, the, the Philando Castile verdict. And it's heavy on me. I even found myself today having a conversation on Instagram with a college friend. I have a young son. You know, my son is going to be three in a few weeks. And he's, you know, I'm looking ahead and I'm like, what do I need to do as a father today to ensure that 10 years from now, that's not my son, right? That's gunned down, wearing a hoodie, or doing something ordinary as a young black kid, right? Like, I hear you saying, you know, we need to take change, but I also feel like I don't know what to do. Well, we all have different parts to this, right? The yeah. reality is there's always something more we can do. Right. And it's just that reminder of saying, you know what, your life matters. And reminding your son, your life matters. Mm-hmm. You know? And giving positive examples. We have to show these young cats that you can be anything you want to be. You don't just have to be a ball player. You don't just have to be a rapper. You can be anything you want to be all of the time. And it's that understanding, that recognition of that, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be an attorney general, it be a surgeon general, it be a doctor, be a dentist, whether it be president of your school club, or president of the White House, you can be anything you want to be, but we have to be clear and have those conversations and not assume that someone is just dealing with what they're saying on TV. Okay. You know, it is not right 
to see that someone can do everything right and have their hands on the wheel and still lose their life. But you have to say, you know what? We still have dreams to realize. We still have more work to do. And we can't allow this to be the reason why we're not pursuing those dreams at all uh, in this manner. Like, Mm -hmm. we have more work we need to do. And I believe in you. I believe in you, young man. I want you to see me and see yourself. I want you to see what I've been able to do and know that you can do even more and you will do even more. You have to be the face of hope for somebody. And so when you do those things, then it changes the game. And that's what we talk about for my brother's keeper, changing the narrative. What are we doing? Hashtag changing the narrative so that they can see hope. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to do what I do. You know, I want for that young Jamaican immigrant, an immigrant from any community, because all children are immigrants. I want them to know that everything is possible, all things are possible. I want them to understand that, you know, we continue to put in the work and continue to change the game and continue to mobilize. We have the ability to do anything. And if I could be a young kid from the Bronx, New York, with a chance to work the White House, and now vice chair of the Democratic Party as assembly member of my second term in New York, you can do anything you want to as well. But we just have to give you the opportunities and the skills and the assets and the resources to realize those dreams. We can't just allow someone to have a dream but not help them actualize it. That's where we come in. That's how we have their back. That's how we stand up to them. Great advice here. You know, I'd love to expand on that and maybe have you share, you know, your best advice to young politicians now entering this space, looking to establish themselves and raise awareness about their beliefs and their platform. What would you tell that young politician? Well, you know, look, elections are about the numbers. At the end of the day, it's who has more who than who at the end, right? So how do you look at doors and dollars? You know, how do you recognize in the previous three elections all the votes that happened in the primary election and general election? Then assess that average number. You know, what was the amount of money that was raised in the last three similar types of elections? Meaning that if I'm looking at a state a house race that I'm considering running for, then look at the last three state house races in that district. If you're looking at a city council race, then what was the three city council races? Don't look at the other races. Mm-hmm. Don't compare it to Congress or something else. Be similar in that manner so that you know your numbers. What do I need to potentially win? You know, how do I build out a calendar from there working backwards to determine, okay, what do I need to do every single day? What do I need to have growth every single day? And then be very clear with yourself and ask yourself this declaring question. What is my why? Find your why. Why do you get up every morning? And what is the very clear message that you're going to be communicating? as to why someone should believe in you. The reality is someone needs to see you and believe you can help improve and change their life. Yes. And so I say to people, if you're willing to focus on the doors and the dollars, if you have a real clear message as to find your why, then you can help change the narrative and change the game all of the time for these people. And I, and I want you to see, I'm 34 years old, everybody. I pursued my dreams. I didn't wait my turn. I, you know, as they said, I didn't wait in line. I wanted to go help. Just go help. Go run. Go run. Believe in yourself. And find the training programs that are out there. New Leaders Council is a great program. I'm a national co-chair for it. That's doing training across the country. But find Emerge. Find Swing Left. Find Flippable. Find Sister District. Find something that can help you get involved in the game. But we need you in the game right now. Yeah, because if, if we want to see changes, we can't rely on someone else. I refuse to allow someone to deny my destiny. I refuse to allow someone to block my blessing. But we can do those things if we're in the game. Yes, yes. Assemblyman Michael Blake, thank you so much for your time, brother. I thank you for your wisdom, your transparency. I love the enthusiasm and you've got my support. I'm cheering you on from Maryland. Hope to meet you one of these days when you're in DC. And before I let you go, please, I know you mentioned a couple of sites a minute ago, but tell us how we can stay connected and plug into some of the work that you're doing. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, everyone. If you want to find out more what we're going, we have going on, you know, follow us on social media, Instagram, Mike Blake 1922, Twitter, MR Mike Blake, 
You can go and see our website, spokemichaelblake.com, to get information on what we're doing politically, or you can find us on our government side, which is our assembly page as well. You just go to the Assembly of New York, search my numbers, Michael Blake, 79th District. But I'm asking people just to believe in what we're trying to build right now. Find us, and we're growing, we're trying to grow something special. And if we continue to do that, again, we'll live out the words. We are the ones who have waited for it. And this is our moment, this is our time to so realize those dreams and realize those dreams right now. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.